these services, I know people don't just come going, hey, look, I'm just rocking up cold. I know that people get their heart involved all week long. I know this is your church. And uh, I know because it's your church, you care about how it is. By the way, I thought you might like to know, I got sent this from Pastor Bruce Grant, who heads up all of our discipleship and uh, is involved with the Yes Texts. So far this year, we've had 161 responses to that Yes Text number, which is amazing. 161 people, 161 have started the journey of discipleship uh, through that method. And there's others besides that I know, people that have responded in other ways, either by lifting their hand or by going to the yes table for prayer. Uh, Of the 161, a quarter of them at the end of the 30 days opt into the next series that comes after that. And 50% of them continue in it. I thought you'd like to know that. Uh, Our yes text number on Friday got this additional unprompted text from someone said, thanks Metro Church for the yes text Bible verses. All the verses helped me a lot and kept me strong when I was feeling down. That's great. But let me tell you something I think is even more exciting. Last week, I was in Malaysia with Pastor Hayden Glass speaking at our sister church uh, High Point Life in Klang. Well, actually, we were down south somewhere or other. I'm not quite sure where it was, but it was a, down at the South China Sea. And uh, we were speaking there. Pastor Danny Guglielmucci had been supposed to be speaking at that. Then because of ill health, he couldn't go. So I felt like I should do that. So stepped into that. But you know what? The anointing for reaching lost people is not on someone It's on the house. It's on this place. And so even though I was away, made no difference. People responded to Yes Text last week. Matter of fact, at 3.30 a.m. on Friday, we got a Yes Text in. That means somebody was awake at 3.30 in the morning saying to themselves, I really want to follow Jesus. I can't sleep. I want to say yes to Christ. And so at 3.30 a.m., they send in their yes text. And I just think that's absolutely awesome. And uh, thank you to everybody. You know, being in the tech team is a ministry to Jesus. It's not just playing with a few dials or a mouse. So if you can get behind that, serve Jesus in it, I think that'd be absolutely wonderful. You might be a tech nerd, but you could be a tech nerd for Jesus. Amen. Amen. And even if you're not a tech nerd, we'll help you become one. That'd be pretty exciting. So thank you for that. And uh, the church in Malaysia, by the way, say thank you to everybody that's here. Pastor Stephen and Flora Mohan are going to be with us for about a week uh, at the end of October. So you'll see them here again and I'll get them up and they'll be able to say thank you to you in person. That's great. All right. So let's go to the Word of God together. Tap your neighbor on the shoulder and say, I am hungry to hear from Jesus today. Come on, let them know that. I'm hungry to hear from Jesus. Turn to your neighbor on the other side and say, I didn't come for a sermon. I came for a transformation. Amen. I didn't come to listen to info. I came for Jesus to touch my life. Father, thank you for today. Thank you, Lord, that you are in this place. God, we thank you that church is not 
where we organize and strategize, where we do all that we can. But rather it's where the Lord of the church reigns. It's where you turn up. It's where you do the impossible. It's where you heal the sick and you release the bound. Lord, it's where worship gets laid at the feet of your throne and where we pause and declare, God, how awesome you are in all your ways, in all your doings, where we get equipped and empowered for the life we are meant to lead. So help us today, Holy Spirit. Help us. Let our hearts not just be open, but let them retain something amazing from you. And all God's people shouted, Amen and Amen. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 17, it tells us there in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. The whole of this year, the word God put in our heart for our church was beginnings. We spoke on that in February. But again, this month of September, I felt that we need to revision and revisit that whole idea of beginnings. And Acts 2.17, that verse we just read, says that one of the signs of the Holy Spirit at work. Now, I grew up uh, in church where the Holy Spirit only made it to the benediction at the end. Then at the age of 19, I gave my life to Christ And I became involved with what was then Christian Outreach Centre. Now is the International Network of Churches and we're a part of that. And it was Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled, whatever label you like, but manifestation of the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and all wonderful signs and wonders that we still see in our midst here. I was praying on Friday for a man where I get my coffee. He said to me, he said, would you pray for me? Stepped out, he's the chef. Would you pray for me? I said, of course, I'd love to. Well, I don't think he thought I was going to do it then, but I did. There are customers everywhere. I grabbed him by the hand. He thought we were shaking hands, but I was not shaking hands. I was laying hands. And so I prayed for him right there and then. He said he'd been to the doctors and they couldn't find what was the matter with him. And uh, the, the doctor jokingly said to him, you know, you need to find a priest to pray for you. Well, apparently I'm the priest. Uh, and, uh, you know, this guy, as I laid hands on him, so I was there again this morning getting a coffee, as is my habit on Sunday morning, and he waved at me, and so we went up and chatted again, and he said, I'm much better, thank you. He said, it started to shift. Now, it's not all the way there. I said, I'll pray for you again. And so again, I reached across the counter and prayed with him. Why? Because we believe that God's a healing God. He's a saving God. He's a delivering God. We believe Jesus makes the difference in your world. Amen. Every day, not just on a Sunday. But you know, Acts 2.17 doesn't talk about that. It says this, that one of the signs of the Holy Spirit at work is new things being seen, new things being declared, and new things being done. So I know that some of you here are hearing the Holy Spirit speaking to you about something new He wants you to do. 
about something fresh that he wants to do through your life. And so when we declared this year as the year of beginnings, and we have prayed over that. But let me ask you a question. If that's what God wants to do, what are the things that I need to deal with to get out of the way that'll prevent me stepping in? Come on, God has got something new for every single one of us. One of the last declarations of God in the Bible is in Revelation 22. Behold, I do or I make all things new, it says. Behold, I make all things new. I love that creation, Genesis 1, begins with God making new things, but it doesn't stop at Genesis 1, 2, or 3. But right through the Bible, God continues to do new things in the lives of His people, so much so that even in the last book of the Bible, He wants to remind you, I make all things new. So I know that in your life. Come on. I know that God wants every single one of us to be embracing that. Isaiah 66 verse 9 is a a verse I love and have memorized over many years. It says, shall I bring to the birth and not cause to come forth, says the Lord. In other words, he says, listen, I'm not going to give you the dream and then frustrate the dream. I'm not going to give you the seed of a new beginning, and then stand there and prevent you entering into it. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6 says, He that has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. So I know that the dreams God's put in people's hearts in this place, He intends to fulfill them in Jesus' name. He intends them to come to fruit and fruition, to fullness of blessing. He intends you and I to be able to stand back and say, God began it with a seed. God started it with a dream. Look what God has done. God intends for every single one of us in Jesus' name to enter into that. And so I want to give you this morning some enemies of new beginning in your life because I think, well, God wants to do it. He's declared it. I'm praying for it. But what's going to stop that in my life? Turn to your neighbor right now. Just give him a little tap on the shoulder and say, this is for you. This is for you. This is for you. Turn to someone beside you and say, he's preaching right at you. Some of those people come to me after a service and they go, Pastor, you were preaching that right at me. And I always say, how did you know? They think I'm going to say no, but I'm going, yes, I was. Right at you, in Jesus' name. So here's some enemies. Um, do, you, do you mind if I take my jacket off? I'm just working up a sweat already up there. Calm down, I took my jacket off, not my shirt. If I took my shirt off, you'd really be going to an eye. You'd be going, man, he is cut. Woo. You'd be saying, is that a washboard ab? Or is that just a barrel? 
Are you with me this morning? Come on. Here's some enemies. I want you to get this this morning because I don't want the devil to be able to frustrate one dream of God's people. I don't want anybody here to have to stand back and say, well, I woulda, I coulda, I shoulda, I just never. I want every single one of you. I don't mind what job you have, what your career says right now. I don't mind what your parents said, your teacher said, your husband said, your wife said, your mother said, your father said, your kids are saying, well, you're too old. Oh, no, you're not. At 75, God says to Abram, get out of your father's house to a land that I'm going to show you. And he gives him a new beginning at 75. Woo! I'm not even close. Thank God. You're not too young for a new beginning either. David just goes up to to help his brothers, he's just delivering cheese and bread. He gets up there and sees a giant. And I'm sure there was a whisper of the Holy Spirit into his heart saying, this is your moment. And he steps out of the crowd and a boy, a boy who was despised by the giant, but a boy gets up there and a boy kills a Goliath and a boy defeats the enemy and a boy brings victory and a young person does it. So I know it doesn't matter how old you are, how young you are, it doesn't matter how long you've been journeying, you and I can have a new big, oh, come on, give the Lord a big hand of praise this morning in Jesus' name. Here's number one, first enemy of having a new beginning in your life. Number one is focusing on someone else's race. Let me read you an an astounding passage. John 21, Gospel of John, last chapter, chapter 21. Jesus has risen from the dead. Verse 15, when they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? He said, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, now watch this, because I want you to get the tense. He says, if you love me, feed. That means from now on. He's speaking about from this moment, but he's in making it future. This is what I want you to do, to feed my lambs. He said to him again the second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, then tend from now on into the future, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, he's ticked off, he's peeved, he's annoyed. Because for the third time he said, do you love me? He said to him, Lord. Well, he did say like that. He never said, Lord, you know all things. Because he's peeved. And when you're peeved, you don't go, Lord. When you peeve, you go, Lord, you know all things. You know I love you. And he's insulted that Jesus is even asking. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. Now watch this. Most assuredly, I said to you, when you were younger, you girded yourself, walked where you wished. But when you are old, you will. That is future tense. This whole conversation is Jesus positioning Peter in his present for his future. The whole of this conversation is about, I'm telling you, from now on, this is what your life is going to be about, what it's going to look like. When you're old, you'll stretch out your hands. Another will gird you and carry you where you don't wish. This he spoke signifying 
by what death he would glorify God. And when he'd spoken this, he said to him, follow me. He says, this is your future. Now this is your present, follow me. Now wouldn't you think that if you had Jesus, the risen Lord, telling you about your present and your future, that your very next question would go something like this. Oh, wow. Thank you, Jesus. That's so awesome. Oh, God, tell me, what do I need to know to help me do that well? Lord, I'm not worried about the death. I might die. I'm not worried about that. I'm so glad you said I'd glorify God in whatever I did. Lord, what are the things I need to know? Imagine if Peter had have asked that question. Maybe then what happened in Acts 10 where the Lord lowered a sheet full of unclean animals and Peter had to have it happen three times. Everything seemed Peter never got it till the fourth time ever. And it seems like that. But imagine how we could have, have short-circuited all of that if only he'd had the brains to ask the right question at the right time. Lord, what should I look out for? What will the enemy try to do? Oh, God, help me. Jesus, tell me, have you got any tips for me? Not Peter. Then Peter turning around saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following. That's John, in case you don't know. Who had also leaned on his breast at the supper and said, Lord, who is the one who betrays you? That, that's what happened at the supper. Verse 21, Peter seeing him said to Jesus, but what about him? Huh? Risen Lord. Covered in glory. Don't touch me. I've not yet ascended to the Father. All the magnificence of the risen Christ. All of the, all of the, can you imagine what it'd be like? Knowing I saw him on the cross. I saw him crucified. I know the tomb they put him in. Now he's standing here in front of me. I've been walking with him for 40 days that he was seen uh, of so many people. 500 people saw him bodily ascend into heaven. It's a remarkable thing. And you've got the one who conquered death, the one who's won it all. And the first thing you can think of to ask him is, what about him? I'm staggered. Here's what I want you to know. You cannot win your race from someone else's lane. You can't win your race running in somebody else's lane. You've got to run in yours. Often on Sunday morning, I turn on the television and watch some of the TV preachers. Some of them I like, some of them I don't like, some of them I don't understand. Some of them are talking about end times. Some are not sure that they've got the Bible anywhere or, or whatever's going on. But here's the point. I'm not called to run their race and they're not called to run mine. And I can disagree. I can not like that preacher or I can be so in awe of that preacher and what they've achieved that whatever I do seems so small in comparison. But I can't win my race running from somebody else's lane. Metro Church, we are here to reach the lost, grow the saved, help the poor, live with excellence, love His presence. We're here to bring worship to God. One of the greatest things we'll ever do on a service, whether it's a Sunday morning or night or any time, 
is that we will gather together and say, Jesus, I'm going to bring you the worship that only I can give. Doesn't matter how many symphony orchestras unite and how many choirs gather together and how great the voices are, how many amazing talents will appear on this stage or any other. The truth is, nobody else can bring the worship that's assigned to you to bring. Never despise it going, I can't sing. Listen, you might not be able to sing. So like Hayden says, we won't put you up here. Because we are not really looking for the choir of the tone deaf. But I'll tell you what, never mistake talent for worship. Never mistake the art for the heart. Make sure that the heart is still the same. You may never have a platform on which you can preach and yes, texts will flood in. But I tell you what, never think to yourself, well, you know, therefore I can never reach anybody. Oh yes, you can. You can pray for that person. You can put their name at a prayer and worship night up on a cross and know that the whoever, I wonder whether God doesn't value some of these prayers that people have written out and stuck up here. I wonder if God doesn't value them more than some of the prayers prayed from behind pulpits. Never think to yourself, my bit doesn't matter, so I won't bother. Don't focus on somebody else's race. Metro, we are here to run our race. That's what it's about. That was what Revision Sunday was about. Let's run our race and run it well. And thank God we are. Thank God, 161 people so far this year. And you might go, well, Jeff, that was just a yes text. Well, maybe so. But you know what? We are continuing to develop that so that we can make sure we are helping people to get into a place of discipleship, not just a decision. So the first thing that'll stop you having a new beginning is looking around at what everybody else is up to. Second thing is waiting for perfection rather than growing from imperfection. Waiting for perfection rather than growing from imperfection. Do you realise that everything we do, everything, everything we do is imperfect in some way or other? All of the people, look around, all of the people you will do life with are imperfect. That's a revelation for some of you here. If you're married, I want you to turn to your spouse if they're here. Look them in the eyes and say, I already knew that about you. Oh, don't be a chicken. No one's looking, no one's looking at anybody. I'm not going to say that. Well, they are. They're imperfect. And so are you. Make growth your focus, not perfection. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. But I'd like you to notice the order. It says, let all things be done decently and in order. Not get everything in order and then try and get it done. I know this really irks the OCD people that are here. Raise your hand if you've got perfectionist tendencies. Only three of us. If you've got perfectionist tendencies, we we tend to go, well, I'm not going to do that unless it can be number one. 
unless I can do it properly. Well, I believe in doing it properly. I think you've noticed, well, we didn't get up here and the, half the drums have got holes in them. Well, that one actually does have a hole in it. Someone needs to repair that drum. It's got a terrible hole in it. You know, this guitar doesn't have four strings because somebody went, oh, two of them broke, but I couldn't be bothered. I never got another one. You know, the microphones. We aren't up here with, with cardboard cones. We got sound. We got lighting. We got all that. It's certainly done in order. But don't make the mistake of putting the order out of order and going, well, until I can get it right, I'm not going to do anything. Ecclesiastes chapter 11 verse 4 says, He who observes the wind won't sow. He who regards the clouds won't reap. What that means is this. If you're waiting for the right time, you're going to wait a long while. Amen. 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 I'm going to preach probably next Sunday night, I think, about are you a responder or an initiator? In the story in 1 Samuel 30, there's 601 people. And 600 of them just respond to what happens. And one man initiates. But you know who God speaks to? He speaks to the one man who initiates. You know who God uses? The one man who initiates. You know who God blesses? The one man who initiates. Come on. I'm not saying you've got to get it all done. I'm saying you've got to start. I know that when it comes to destiny offering, my wife and I every year have always felt God put an amount on our hearts that we could not afford, naturally speaking. We didn't have it in the bank. There was nowhere to get it from. And every single year, the first thing we want to do, first extra money that comes in, we always put it straight in the destiny offering, no matter how small or how big, why? Because we don't want to wait for it all to turn up and for us to be able to figure out, we go, let's start. Come on, turn to your neighbor and say, I'm going to start something for Jesus. I'm going to start something for Jesus. Now is always the right time to start something great. Come on, now's the right time. Are you praying about going to Peru in 2019? Well, if you're going to pray about going to Peru, go to a travel agent this week and say, I want some literature on Peru. Have you signed up yet? Have you got the money yet? No, but make a start. Well, well, I'm just praying. I'm just praying. I'm just praying. And we're just getting old and crusty. Huh? Waiting for Jesus. Come on, Lord. Amen. Congratulations to all the eagles. Fans. Amen. Here's number three. Third thing that'll prevent you having the beginning. God's got for you. Come on. I feel the Holy Spirit is in this place today. This isn't just my energy or my enthusiasm. I feel like the Holy Spirit is here wanting to get some of you and going, if I shake you, will you rattle? Or have you got something filling up in there so you don't rattle anymore? Some people just got one lonely little thought running around. That's why when they walk, they rattle. Get some more in there. Amen? Mm. 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 Oh, I just got a Facebook message. Someone liked my last post. 
It gives a rip. Number three is fear of failure. Faith always requires us to step out of the comfort zone. In Matthew 14, we are told the story of Peter walking on the water to go to Jesus. There was a risk he could sink and he proved the risk of failure was real because he sank. So what? I I think about this story a lot because there was 11 other people in a boat. One man got out of a boat and walked on water to go to Jesus. And they're all watching, 11 of them. And they go, oh my God, he's doing it. I never believed. Half of them are sitting there going, wish I'd shouted out, Lord, if it's you, bid me to come. But they thought the fear of failure was too great, so they didn't even say anything. And then when Peter starts to sink, because he says he saw the wind was boisterous, when he saw that and he began to sink, they're all going, thank God I never went. Look at that. I knew it happened. Yep. Do you know that? Yep. I knew that. Don't worry about all, listen to me. Don't worry about all the crowd that wished they'd started and then when you hit a snag, wish they'd never started. Don't worry about them. So what? One man had, can you imagine this? One man is walking on water. One man, apart from Jesus, in the whole of the human race, one man walks on water. I'd rather walk and sink than never walk at all. Amen. We make failure way too big. We live in a world where, you know, we're afraid of every germ under the sun. Just remember, clean, clean, clean. Carl Pilmer is a gerontologist. What's that? Person who studies old people. He's a gerontologist at Cornell University in the States and he interviewed 1,500 elderly people and asked them, what do you wish you'd done differently in your life? Would you like to hear what they are? It's just a few here they are, number one. They wish they'd been more careful in choosing their life's partner. How many people right now just say, no problem there, tech, got that done. Don't raise your hand if you're for the other. If you're in the other column, learn from your mistake. Amen. Second thing, not resolving family estrangement. I'm amazed how many Christians have got family they never talk to. And I know that sometimes it's not their fault and they've tried everything they can and they just can't see that door open. But do your best. These people regretted not resolving it. Number three, putting off saying how you feel. Number four, not traveling enough. Number five, spending too much time worrying. Number six, not being honest. Number seven, not taking enough career chances. Number eight, not taking care of your body. Five out of the eight top regrets are people saying, I wish I hadn't let the fear of failure stop me doing what was in my heart. Five, that's, what is that? 62.5%. Of all of people's regrets in life are saying, I wish I'd started something. I wish I'd stepped out of the boat in my life. Here's number four. The fourth 
enemy is an unwillingness to start something small and something unseen. You know, when David killed Goliath, everybody saw it happen. If I ask you, who was there? This was not done in some hidden away dark spot, but the entire army of Israel was gathered on one hill and all the army of the Philistines were on another. And I love the fact that the giants stood in the valley between because it's in the valley, in the low places, in the dark places that you defeat your giant. That's where they are. And David goes out against this a nine foot tall man and everybody goes, he's mincemeat, he's dead. And an entire people of two nations saw the victory happen. But you know, David said, it's not just about this now. He told the king and he told the giant, he said, you know, once a lion and a bear came out against the flock and I slew them both. Let me ask a question. Apart from the sheep and God, who saw David kill a lion? Don't all shout me down with the answer. It's not that complicated. Was the whole army of Israel there going, mm, well, no, I wouldn't grab the lion by his beard. I'd try and get on top of him and just around the back here. Yeah. The bear, oh man, the bear. Oh, I'd watch out for the bear. They can run awful fast, but they're a bit short-sighted. So I'd try and get around. How many people are there? Zero. Do you know when God wants you to start something, it's usually something small and it's usually something unseen. And then God reveals the progress. But you've got to start. If you want to start having a dynamic spiritual life, it's small. Every day I'm going to pray. Every day I'm going to take five minutes. That's what I did. Start with five minutes. Anyone can do five. Well, try. Sometimes you just get to four and have to repeat minute one. Everyone can read the Bible. I'll just do five minutes. You go, Jeff, what would 10 minutes a day? Jeff takes me that long to drink a cup of coffee. Good. You can get the Bible on your phone. Sit there, you version. They're free. Get there and sit there and have a cup of coffee. Well, what would that do? Jeff, my problems are so big. Oh, God, I wouldn't know where to start. Oh, Lord, I've got so much trouble. Nobody knows the troubles I've seen. Nobody knows my sorrow. Lord, it's so big, it's so huge. Oh, God, nothing would do enough. But if you'll start small, come on, if you'll start, come on now. You'll start unseen. Mm. See, you all think I'm waiting for the amens of the spiritual giants in the room. You think I'm all waiting for all the people that amen every service. I ain't waiting for them, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you to sit there and go, mm, 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 oh God, God, I, I, I think just turning up here is an achievement. Thank God you are here. And I don't despise that. I'm glad that you are here. But start something small and something unseen. Here's the last one. The fifth thing, because the first one's focusing on someone else's race. You can't win from someone else's lane. Waiting for perfection rather than growing from imperfection. 
fear of failure, unwillingness to start something small, something unseen. Here's number five, is thinking we've arrived. Let me give you what I regard as being one of the, well, there's so many of them. There's so many verses of the Bible that astound me. They astound me that God wrote them. They astound me that he let them go into the book. Things like David's failure with Bathsheba, I go, who wants to tell everybody about one? The man after God's own heart and you put that out there. I think that's astounding. Peter denying Jesus. Really? You know, and then he's the guy on the day of Pentecost that preaches and 3,000 get saved. He's the day that opens up the door to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10. Oh, there's so much that's astounding in the Bible. Let me show you one. Luke 2, 52. It's just one small sentence. Watch this. Jesus grew in wisdom and in stature and in favour with God and man. Really? How many of you, when you were born, did wise men come from the east and say, we have seen your star? And so we have come to worship you. Just checking, because if a hand goes up, I'm really starting to wonder about you. How many of you here, when you were born, they sent a card? How many of you were born, they gave booties, you know, little knitted crocheted sock things, you know, and, you know, and they gathered around and said, oh, wasn't that amazing? And how long did the birth take? And you went, oh, yeah, we just slipped out, really, just slipped out. And the husband's standing there like so pleased as punch, like, look what I did. This is my handiwork. Look what I did. You're there going, I carried that for nine months. That's not your handiwork. That's mine. But this man, but this man, when he's born, Herod is so panic struck. He believes more than the people of God did. He killed an entire age group of under two boys in an entire land because he was so frightened. He believed so much the king was coming. Wow. And so here is Jesus with gold and frank. You had frankincense and If you've ever wondered how he funded his ministry, they bought a king's gift to him. And here he is. Not only is he born of a virgin, and that's miraculous enough, and not only is his cousin John the Baptist, who leaps in the womb of Elizabeth when they greet one another, because he says, that one there, that one there is the Messiah. He's the one upon whom all the light of Israel will arise. Not only is he all of that, but the Bible tells us that before he entered this earth, he had created the earth. He's the Word that was with us at the beginning. And you go, how could that person need Luke 2, 52? Jesus, why did you need to grow? Lord, what was there? See, we get the stage sometimes, we've been around long enough, we go, been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Ha <laughs> like we know it. Or like we've arrived. I, I, I like to keep reminding myself and others around me, you've never arrived. Not unless you're dead. When you're dead, you've arrived. Amen. You're dead, you're in heaven. You're seeing Jesus. 
You're seeing all the, the 12 apostles of the Lamb. You're seeing the throne. You're seeing the sea of glass. You're seeing the angelic host. You've arrived. Thank God. Some of you here, there's going to be a whole bunch of half-baked looking angels over there panting away like crazy. And you say, what's happened to them? They say, they're the ones that got you here. Because you were so much trouble. And you, you thought... You thought that you were God's gift to humanity and you wore out all those angels. Oh, when you're dead, you don't need to grow anymore. But while you're on the planet, Jesus grew. I just want to grow, don't you? I just want to grow. I don't want to, I don't want to say, oh God, you know, now that I've, I've been in the ministry now, Lord, for, Well, praise God, you know, 19, oh man, this is my 43rd year. Hallelujah. And I've seen much, praise God. Team, come please, because someone's got to get me out of this in a minute. Oh, 40, 43 years, my God. Have I seen, oh, I could tell you a thing or two. I could tell you a few times. The day you get like that, you, you, you're, you're like buying a new car and going parking it in the, in the parking lot and then walking everywhere. Huh? That's what it's like. It's like you going buying a Rolls Royce and taking it down to Galleria Shopping Centre and leaving the car park and then thumbing a lift everywhere you go. People say, why don't you drive your car? I oh, know it's parked now. I don't want to park my calling. I don't want to park my gift. I don't want to park my ministry. I don't want to park my life. I don't want this church to park. 30 years, 30 years we're celebrating this year. But thank God, Jesus grew. Jesus grew and so can you. Amen. Wow. Stand with me. We're going to sing. I love that song we sang at the offering. Uh, I don't know what it's called. Who you say I am. We're going to sing that together. Come on. I want you to lean in right now. Come on. The service is not just about to be over. You know what's going to happen next. I want you right now where you are to say, Holy Spirit, would you help me? Some of you here, you're focused on someone else's race. You're waiting for perfection rather than saying, I'm going to grow today. The fear of, listen, stop. Just nice and quiet a minute. Because there's people here in this place. Hold a second. Hold a second. Because there's people here in this place. And you failed in life. And then somebody told you, you better not try that again. You failed in business. You failed in a relationship. You stepped out for God and came a, a buster with San Australia. Your, your face planted. And now the fear of failure, you hear the whispers of the Holy Spirit. Oh, but God, I don't want to fail again. I believe today the Holy Spirit's going to release people in this place in Jesus' name. An unwillingness to start something small, something unseen, thinking we've arrived. We're going to echo that to God this morning and say, Lord, here am I, Lord. Would you start something great in my life in the name of Jesus? Come on, now let's sing it together in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Who the sun sets free. Oh, it's free indeed. I'm a child Come on. of God. Come on, let's lean yes, in this morning. Yes, I am, oh God. Oh, yeah. Oh, there's a place for me. There's a place. There's a place.
in Jesus' name. Yes, Lord. Oh, yeah. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. I'm a child of Come on. Let's lean in. One more time. There is. There's a place for oh, thank you, Lord. me. I'm a child of yes, Heavenly Father, this morning, every one of us, I believe, wants to stand before Jesus and say, Lord, if you grew, would you help me grow? Lord, if you conquered death, you can certainly conquer fear. Help me step out, Lord. And God, if you ask me to do something small or something unseen, I'm not going to despise it. I'm not going to wait until the right time because all I've got is now, and I'm going to start with that in Jesus' name. God, I pray that the rest of this year, 2018, will be a year where we'll see more things start. New beginnings all over the life of our church. All over the lives of people that here. Come on. Some of you here, you got business adventures that are stuck. And you're there waiting for things to change. And maybe God's saying, would you start something new? Oh, but the staff, no, start something new. Don't limit it to this environment of church. Because we are the church everywhere we go. So Father, we thank you for that in the name of Jesus. In Jesus' name, come on, sing it one more time. 